following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information on our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. We are coming off of Easter, and over the last couple weeks, we have remembered and we have have really thought deeply about the work of Jesus and what he accomplished and the fact that he lives. And last week, we looked specifically at the fact that our shepherd lives. And God in his timing would have us now, as we step back into Romans, step into a text that, that is just perfectly timed. Um, we preach expositionally, and, and I love the way so many times that, that God in his providence will just lead us to the right text at the right moment. I believe this is one of those texts. And so we're going to step back into Romans. Um, but to do that, I'd like to ask that we together um, kind of revisit, step back into the moments leading up to Jesus's uh, death on the cross and his resurrection. Um, specifically, I'd like for us to kind of step back into the scene um, in the upper room. So would you kind of think back with me in this moment? See, um, in John 13, John 13 tells us that that Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples. And, and this scene just blows their mind and he's teaching them. Jesus in, in verses 13 and 14 says, look, you call me Lord and you're right to do that. If then your Lord and teacher, if you remember this text, if then your Lord and your teacher has washed your feet, so ought you to wash each other's feet. So Jesus is teaching them and it's just incredible. But here in this moment, I would like for us to consider one individual specifically. Judas. Judas. Um, Just a few verses earlier in uh, verse 2. So we just looked at and thought about verses 13 and 14. But in verse 2, we read that during the, the, the supper that the devil, the text says, had already put it into his heart, to Judas's heart, to betray Jesus. So, Here in this moment, as as Jesus is washing his feet, this is an awkward moment, church. This is an awkward moment. He already knows what he is going to do as Jesus is washing his feet. And so here in this moment, Jesus is washing the feet of the one who would betray him. Here in this moment, Judas' feet is being washed by uh, the one who he decided to betray. And this awkward scene, it gets worse. It, it really, it really does. Um, here in the text, it says, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled. So here in this moment, Jesus knows what's happening. He's troubled and he testifies. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you are going to betray me. Jesus is calling it out, and the disciples, they look at each other. They don't know who it is, except for one. Um, Judas knew exactly, exactly of whom Jesus spoke. And 
Here in this moment, we read this scene where uh, the disciples around him, the text says that one of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at Jesus's table. And and so Peter here in this moment and um, John were, were talking and they, they leaned over and they say, Lord, you mentioned betrayal. Who is it? Who is this going to be? And Jesus says here, it is the one whom I give the morsel of bread um, after it is dipped. And so when he, the text says, had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. See, Jesus knew exactly, exactly what was happening. Then we read, then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered him. Jesus said to him, what you were going to do, do it quickly. Do it quickly. And we read that no one at the table knew what was going on. Even in this moment, they didn't, they couldn't wrap their mind around it. And then after it says that after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately, that's Judas, immediately went out and it was night. So Judas leaves out into the night to fulfill the plan of the evil one to fulfill this evil plan. A plan, by the way, that would bring about, offer up Christ, if you will. A plan that was given to him by Satan. See, Judas was used by Satan here, and Judas goes out, and uh, the night progresses. And if we were to fast forward a little bit, we get to John chapter 16, or uh, sorry, 18. And in John 18, the scene, the scene shifts from the garden, or from the upper room to the garden. And so we see here in this text, it says, Now Judas, who betrayed him, he also knew the place for that Jesus met with his disciples. So he knew, he had insider information here. And we read in the text that Judas, he gets together soldiers, he gets together officers, chief priests, Pharisees, and they come with lanterns. And not only lanterns, they come with weapons. And they, they come to Jesus here in the garden. And Jesus, knowing all, knowing all that was going to happen to him, the text says, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to him, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, the text says, was standing with them. See, the plan was executed. Jesus was arrested, and and Judas um, received the silver. He received the payment for the plan, and he gave over the one who he, he followed. The one who he knew, the one who he once called Lord, he gives him over. And in this scene is an extremely heavy scene. Um, of course, we've, we've talked about the, the last couple weeks, the fact that we know that Jesus was in fact arrested, beaten, mocked, and scorned, that Jesus was in fact crucified, that he breathed his last, that he was placed in a borrowed tomb, and praise God that he rose. We, we know this, we've, we've, we've considered this over the last couple weeks, But in the midst of this church, Judas feels the weight. I want to look at one more 
place before we get to Romans in, in Matthew, Matthew 27, um, we read that, that when Judas's betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. This is tragic. I mean, this is is heartbreaking. But I want us to think in this moment carefully about Judas. Uh, See, Judas was used in a plan. Um, He played a part uh, in the enemy's plan that was put on his heart. Did he? Didn't he? Um, More than that, God in his sovereignty used Judas. uh, Used Judas in his great plan of redemption. In other words, you and I, we know the, the, the gospel. You and I, we experience the gospel, the forgiveness of sins, the uh, reconciliation, redemption, substitutionary atonement. We know these things. We experience these things. See, Christ's death on the cross was in some ways a result of Judas's evil work here in this text. In other words, through his evil, good came. And not just good, but ultimate good came. God brought about his plan through Judas for his glory and for our good. Um, so then, what do we do? What do we do? What do, how do we think about this? How do we think about Judas more than that? Why are we thinking about Judas as we approach our text in Romans 3? That's a good question. So with those questions in mind, let's now get to our text in Romans 3. Um, We're going to be in verse 5. We're going to start in verse 5. And with those questions in your mind, I want you to listen to the questions that Paul here asked in in Romans 3. Um, Let's start in verse 5. It says this, But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to afflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. That I speak in a human way, meaning here that on a human level, human to human, on our level of understanding, right? So think about these questions. If our righteousness, like Judas, if our righteousness serves to push forward the plan of God, serves to showcase the righteousness of God, If our unrighteousness serves the greater good, would God then be unrighteous to inflict his wrath on us? Think about that. So here in Rome, let's get to the context here that that the letter was written in in ancient Rome, especially for the Jews here. Paul is, is absolutely striking at the heart of their attempts of justification. He's striking at the heart of their own attempts of justification. Um, Whereas they may be tempted to say, hey, look, we might not be perfect. Yeah, we've messed things up. Yeah, we've gone our own way. But look, God, at all of the good. Look at the way that you have, that 
you have been showcased to the nations through us. Look at all the good that has come through us. And if our unrighteousness serves to show your righteousness, God, if that is the case, would you not be unjust in pouring your wrath on us, right? That's the question. That's the question here. And Paul answers this emphatically. And he says, by no means. It's his patented answer here. By no means. For then how could God judge the world? Now listen, listen, his questions aren't over and they get even more pointed in my opinion here. Listen to this. But if through my lie, God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not? Why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying. Okay, I started with Judas. All right, I started with Judas, and I did that because his example is so clear and so extreme. Um, So to carry this forward, this example forward, let's think about Judas again. Um, If by Judas's sin, if by Judas's sin God was given glory, why would Judas still be condemned? If in his evil good came, why would he be still judged? Let me ask you, let me ask you, as Judas stands before the Lord in judgment, will he be able to say, hey, look at what happened through what I did? Will he be able to justify himself? Will he be able to justify himself because of the way God used his evil for good? Will he be able to justify himself? Will he be able to say, look at all the souls, God, that you saved through Christ's death. I was just a part of the plan. Surely you can't condemn me, right, for being a part of the gospel plan. In church, Paul to this, he says this, their condemnation is just. In other words, it is just to condemn Judas. God is just to condemn Judas. The way, in other words, that God redeemed his evil action does not justify Judas. Their condemnation is just. Listen, there are at least three takeaways here that, that, we, that we need to see. The first is this. You might hear this and you might think, well, pastor, this is obvious. We're talking about Judas here. We're talking about Judas, right? Um, But church, it's not just Judas. It's not just Judas. See, Judas is an extreme example. I'll give you that. But it's not just Judas because this speaks to the heart, our heart, to, to seek to justify ourselves before our God. This speaks to you and I, our heart, to try that all the times that we try to just justify ourselves before our God. And this just speaks to the heart of it. And church, if you hear nothing else from me this morning, if you hear nothing else, I pray and I hope that you hear me and hear this. You cannot justify yourself before your God. It's impossible. You cannot justify yourself before your God. You can only be justified by your God. By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, you cannot justify yourself before God. You can only be justified by your God. 
And spoiler alert here, um, reading ahead, we Paul is about to lay out his case that no one is righteous, no, not one, apart from Jesus. And then he'll get to my favorite verse in all the Bible, where he will say, because of Christ, through Christ, God is both just and justifier. He's the just justifier. So in this, we read, you cannot justify yourself before your God because there is no one righteous, no, not one. You can only be justified by your God because, as Paul is about to say, he is the just justifier. Oh, that's incredible. The second thing we need to see here is this. The ends do not justify the means. Now, God can and certainly does bring good from evil. I mean, I think about Joseph, for example, in the book of Genesis, where Joseph literally says, in, in light of all the evil done to him by his brothers, he looks at them and he says, look, what, what you meant for evil, the Lord used for good. God can, and he certainly does do that. But just because your God brings good from, brings good ends does not justify evil means. It doesn't. The right thing is always the right thing to do. And your justification is only in and only through Jesus Christ. The ends do not justify the means. Because, as I'll go back to point one, you and I cannot justify ourselves before our God. The ends do not justify the means. The third thing that we need to see here, and this is big, is that our God is a God of redemption. Our God is a God of redemption, not only of people, which is certainly true that we are redeemed through Jesus Christ, um, but not only people. Our God is a God of redemption and he redeems situations. He redeems situations, things that we cannot understand, things that we cannot see, things that are so difficult and so trying. God can and will use, will redeem for his glory and for our good. God is a God of redemption. And not only can he, but his word says he will. Paul later in Romans 8 will say this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And how do we know that? How do we know that? Because through all of our failure, through all of our sin, church, he is faithful. He is faithful. He's a God of redemption and he redeems us through Jesus Christ and he redeems situations for his glory and for our good. Whatever you are facing, whatever you have faced and whatever you will face, you, through scripture, through the word of God, you can hold to that and cling to that, that all of these things in the sovereignty of God will be used and redeemed for his glory and for our good. This is, this is huge. We cling to this. We absolutely cling to this. And listen, um, as we close, there's two things here. Um, one, you might be listening to this. If you're listening to this, if you are uh, watching this and you have messed up, I mean, if in this moment you are confronted 
with your own sin, if in this moment you are weighted down with your own sin and with your own failure, if that's you, you can go the way of Judas or you can go the way of Peter. See, in the same, around the same time that we just read about uh, Judas, um, we also read about Peter, who in the same time denied Jesus. I mean, outright, flat out denied Jesus three times. Yet, Peter is drawn back to Jesus. He comes back to Christ to share his love and to be sent out on mission for Jesus. See, where as Judas runs away from Christ and his sin leads him to death, Peter runs to Jesus, runs to Christ, and he is forgiven and loved and used by God for his glory. Again, um, you can either go the route of Judas or Peter. You cannot justify yourself before your God. It is impossible. You can only be justified by your God, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It is about, it is about his righteousness and not yours. If you're watching this and you're weighted down, I want you to know no matter what, there is grace in Christ for all of those who come to him. So come to him. Run to him. There is grace. The second thing is if you are watching this, if, you, if you're listening to this, and in this moment right now, you are seeking to justify sin in your life, Maybe you're saying things like, it's not that bad. I mean, um, I'll stop tomorrow. I mean, this will be the last time. Or uh, it's not hurting anyone and no one knows about it, right? Whatever it is, whatever excuse it is, would you just stop it? Would you just bring those attempts of justification and just lay them out bare? Would you come to him? And instead of the excuses and the attempts to justify, would you come to him in repentance and confession of sin? Because when you do, he is faithful and he is just to forgive. Again, you cannot justify yourself before your God. You can only be justified by your God. And that is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So let us come to him in repentance. Would you pray with me? God, would you help us today? Would you help us today to see the beauty of the gospel that bids us, that calls us to come? For anyone here who is, is feeling the weight and the conviction of sin, I pray that you would draw them to yourself and I pray that they would repent in this moment, that we would repent right now in this moment. And in doing so, we know you are faithful to forgive. You are faithful and just. You are the just justifier. Our justification is in Christ, in Christ alone. And we pray in his name. Amen.